Welcome to the Deeper Podcast. This is a podcast run by a team of people from different churches, all aiming to make gospel resources that are both accessible and applicable for everyday life. We do hope you stick around and subscribe to this channel as we're going to cover a range of topics in the coming months. And so we hope you enjoy today's episode. Hey, and welcome to the Jonah series from the Deeper Group. Uh, This is kind of an interesting format for us on this platform. We're using Zoom to record, obviously still in a pandemic at the moment. Um, And so, so far, uh, the teaching series by both Steve and Peter have looked differently to this. Um, But we're going to go bit by bit through a book in a discussion format. And so if you guys just want to introduce yourself for our listeners... Uh, maybe go Steve first. Hi there, I'm Steve Brind, and uh, yeah, it's going to be great to, to join with you on this one. Like you will have seen me on the Isaiah series, um, but it's going to be great fun to do this, uh, I guess, much smaller series, but really good fun to be joining in this series on Jonah. Thank you very much. And then yourself, Pete? Yeah, yeah, I, I'm Peter Brin. Um, Steve's my son, of course. You've probably worked out that relationship. Uh, and it's a real privilege to be able to, to work with him, as we've done many times before over the Word of God. Uh, really looking forward to getting into to Jonah. Amazing. Thank you very much. And I am Rhys Thomas. My role or responsibility here is to host, uh, I guess, the discussion. Uh, we're all based in New Life Church, Fairwater, but this group isn't necessarily just uh, housed in New Life Church, Fairwater, uh, and we have other people feeding into this from all different locations. Uh, and so this is really kind of like the branches have spread way beyond just our location. Um, so Jonah, we're going to get straight into chapter one. Um, and I, man, we, we're going to enter this. So if you've watched the previous video, uh, we've already discussed Uh, what prophecy looks like, what we're talking about prophecy in the Old Testament, how God chooses to speak in the Old Testament, and we've set the foundation for Jonah. Um, In this chapter, man, I feel like there's a lot packed into one chapter. There's a lot of time packed into one chapter, really. We see the initial call to someone from God, which is big enough in itself, is crazy enough in itself, and we go right the way from that to time on a boat, to time in the belly of the whale, but the whale will come next week in the next video. And we're going to look at different aspects of chapter one today. Uh, and so I wonder if you want to go straight in, Peter, um, with verses one and two and talk about God calling Jonah and what that looked like. Yeah, we're going to look at two themes really running through this chapter. God's call of Jonah and how Jonah responds to that and then how God responds to Jonah's response I just love that kind of idea prophets are like that interactive this is God talking to a prophet and a prophet responding to God because that's the kind of God he is isn't it and this is how our book starts the word of the Lord the word of Jehovah the word of Yahweh came to Jonah son of Amittai I wonder how it happened. How did the word of the Lord come to him? Did he, um, did he hear a voice? Did he get a dream? Did he a vision? Did God send him somebody? What do you reckon? What do you reckon, Steve? 
They're great questions, aren't they? You know, how does God speak to us? Um, it may well be that Jonah heard something that was almost audible. There have been a couple of times in my life when I've heard something like it was almost audible from God. It, it was that powerful. And I think probably in this instance, it might have been along those lines. But do you know what? That direct message and the words, every word of that message, I'm sure that God didn't speak them down verbatim. I'm sure that God was impressing things upon Jonah's heart. Uh, of course, he would have had the uh, Old Testament law to have read, so the first five books, maybe some other bits and pieces as well, but there wouldn't have been a great deal of scripture for him to have grasped it from. And what there would have been, though, is that daily interaction with the Lord, speaking to him, listening for God's voice, you know, having that, that sort of meditation time. I think there was a lot of that in there as Jonah starts to form these ideas that, that God is speaking out to him. This was actually one of my questions, right? Because obviously the book starts with God speaking, like it's, it's a very abrupt start to a book. There's no scene setting at all, really. And I guess that happens throughout it rather than at the start. Uh, and so like, do you think Jonah had already cultivated, and I don't know if this is speculation, but do you think Jonah had already speculated, uh, had already cultivated a life of like devotion to God and a life of listening to God? Or is this the first time that God breaks in and speaks to Jonah? I mean, I think we picked that up on the last video, uh, the last message, just a little bit, that God had already spoken to him and he'd spoken to Jeroboam, the king, at the very least. Yeah. Uh, it seems to me, as you run through the book, you pick this up, there was, a, there was a fairly easy discussion, dialogue between God and Jonah. Didn't agree with each other, but there was plenty of discussion there. Yeah, I think it was something that was regular. That's helpful. That's a helpful kind of backdrop, yeah. I guess. Um, what does it look like for uh, Jonah, the specific person, uh, to be called to Nineveh, the specific city? Yeah. I, I mean, I often speculate it's like this, you know, that, that God probably had this um, dramatic pause and said, Jonah, go. And Jonah says, great. It's what we prophets do. We go. We love going. And then God says to him, yeah, but I want you to go to Nineveh, that great city. And Jonah says, Nineveh? Are you serious, God? Nineveh of all places. Now, he'd have known at least two things about Nineveh because God told him that it was a great city. Quite a few great things in this chapter, worth noting as you go through it. It was a great city. And Jonah really wasn't one of the great prophets. Not really. I mean, he's not a major prophet like Jeremiah or Isaiah. He's only a little two-bit prophet. He lived in a place called Gath-Hepha which is pretty close to Nazareth. So it's in that neck of the woods, not important. And he says, I think you've got the wrong guy here to go to Nineveh. Nineveh is a great city, needs a great prophet. Mm. I think more important than that, it was that Amos, his contemporary, said the Assyrians are going to come down and smash Israel, going to take them into captivity. Would you want to be the prophet who went and spoke and got the people from Nineveh to repent, and then you had to come back to Israel and live? I, I mean, it would be like really in the last war. Just imagine this now, if God sent you to the German troops mm. to talk to them about God, I think to myself, poor not me, Lord. <laughs> Nobody is going to love me yeah. to do that. So, so I think those are the reasons why Jonah really didn't want to go. But it's, it's amazing, isn't it, when you think about Jonah going to Nineveh, as you say, they are the capital city of Assyria, the superpower of that time. Uh, and, and with all the prophecies being spoken about them, that the, 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 the Assyrians were going to come and sweep over everything. 
and, and God says, go and, and preach against this great city, which tells you immediately that the God of the Hebrews, the God of Israel, is in fact the God of the world, is the God who's in charge of the whole world. I mean, that's incredible. And, and actually, at the time, that was much more shocking than we think it is right now. We sort of say, oh, yeah, of course, God's the God of the whole world. But at that time, God, Jehovah, Yahweh was one God vying amongst all the other gods within the area. And everyone thought their God was the God. Yeah. And Yahweh says, in fact, I am God over everywhere. I'm God over land. I'm God over sea. I'm God over Assyria. I'm God over Israel. It's a really dramatic statement. And we lose sight of this a bit because we don't have that same sort of marketplace um, of religions going on in, in today's world. But if you think about it, um, it this is like God saying, I, I'm God over North Korea. Mm. I'm God over militant Islam. You know, I'm, I'm God over uh, rampant secularism. Let's not lose the wonder of that, isn't it? Let's, let, let's uh, recognise that we who follow God have given him everything because he is everything. Mm. And we have a mandate to be able to preach to all parts of the world and to all parts of our society. Yeah, yeah. I find that so helpful because I guess on a level of, yeah, as you said, you don't have that level of kind of what everyone believes in a God of, of sorts or like a spiritual superpower or whatever. Um, there's not that like underlying belief in Westernized culture. In other parts, there still is. In Westernized culture, not so much. Like for my generation growing up in school, like you're looking at few and far between who would yeah. talk about believing in God, let alone the Christian God. And so, yeah, like, yeah it's, it's an interesting thing that like, I mean, we're going to see it where like obviously the sailors worship their gods. Um, but still, the message is even in a world where people don't believe in a God, that doesn't make it true that there's no God. Because yeah. Our God is the mighty God above all things and is still sovereign. Yeah. I, I mean, if, if you pick up that point, actually, Jonah also believed what most of the people around believed. Because this is what he says in verse two, but Jonah ran away from the Lord mm-hmm. because he believed the Lord lived in Israel. He yeah, must have. Right. Yeah. He lived locally. It missed completely what David sort of says. Where can I go, Psalm 139, from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're still going to be there. But Jonah somehow hadn't really grasped that message. I mean, we, we kind of smile. I think the Lord must have laughed at Jonah too, as Jonah, Jonah thought he could run away from the Lord. But yeah. that's what you find him doing. And he goes down to find a boat to go to Tarshish because yeah. he believes that God can't possibly be in Tarshish of all places, wherever Tarshish might be. Yeah. Um, let's, let's look straight at then. I mean, it comes so quickly in the story. It's crazy when you just see we're just in a fourth verse. Already God has called someone to go somewhere. The person has said, nah, I'm going the opposite way kind of opposite i'm not actually sure if it's opposite but I'm, I'm not going there out of all places i'm not going there i'm going away from there and then by verse four disobedience causes disruption in jonah's life that yeah. was probably a bigger disruption in that moment that he would have even thought maybe Nineveh was going to be and so just wonder if you want to unpack um what this kind of moment entails for jonah and what the act of kind of disobedience to what god is calling him to is costing i mean it, it costs him it costs him just about everything really the, because the very first thing he does is to get so far away from god 
the god he believes can't reach him. So he goes down to Joppa, a Philistine port at that time. He goes into a ship with pagan mariners. He goes down into the ship. In fact, there's, the word down is used three times and then goes down into the hold, which is interesting because it prefigures what's going to happen to him in chapter two. It goes down into the sea, but albeit this time shrouded by a ship. Yeah. So he goes as far away as he can from the Lord and says, I'm going to run away as far as I can. I don't know where Tarshish is. Opinions vary. It, it could be completely opposite way to Nineveh, but very clearly it wasn't in the, anywhere near the same direction. And God says, you think you've got away, don't you? Learn this. You can run away, but you can't hide from me. Many of us have learned that lesson, haven't we? Uh, I wonder if you've got anything to add, Steve. Yeah, and, and then God sends a storm, doesn't he? So, it, it's, as you said, Dad, it's, it's all about the great, it's a great storm, it's a great wind, which brings about a great storm. Um, and it just lets, lets me know, really, that sometimes God creates storms in our lives or allows storms to come in our lives. I think one of the things about uh, certainly Western civilization is that we really crave comfort, we find comfort something that, that's important for us to have um, as if it's the purpose of our lives. But actually, God says the purpose of your life is to build character. I mean, to build character. I mean, it's, it's about character over comfort. And Jonah is just desperate for the comfort. It's like, I don't want to go to Nineveh. That's going to be uncomfortable. I don't want to go into that difficult situation. Give me comfort. I'll go as far away as possible. I'll take a sabbatical so that I don't have to face this. And God says, no, 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 no. I'm not le letting you have that comfort because I want to build your character. That's much more important for you. And when I bring that to my own life and I think about circumstances that I've had with God, um, I would never choose those character building circumstances. I'd never choose them. Who would want to go through what's difficult? Yeah. It's, it's rather like when you're training for something like, a, let's say a half marathon, which I've done a couple of times, when you do train for that, it's not comfortable, but it is worth it. Yeah. And Jonah doesn't want this, but he discovers it's not comfortable, but it's worth it to go through that storm so that he can come out uh, actually in a place where his character has been built and he is something for God. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so, so he, he goes down into the hole and falls asleep, which I can't believe. He's asleep in the middle of a storm, which I can't believe even more. But, but there he is. He, he's so convinced that he's got away from God. Absolutely so convinced. And I think the message is coming across through Jonah to the people of Israel that actually when you do go away from God, God still notices it. Yeah. You can't just run away from God and think to yourself, I got away with it. You never have. He's always, always seeing what goes on. And, and um, the fascinating thing to me is, is that there is a prayer meeting and Jonah's not part of it. Right. What? God's prophet. No, he's sleeping during the prayer meeting. In fact, he's not even on the same page as the prayer meeting, not the same deck. All the guys are up there praying to their God. I don't know what they're saying. Uh, to me, immediately brings back um, Elijah on Carmel, where, where they're praying to their God who can't do anything anyway, so what's the point of it? But they're up there praying. Eventually, they realise Jonah's not around. We better go and get him. Captain wakes him up and says, come up and pray to your God for us. But Jonah doesn't even pray then. Yeah, it makes, it makes me think kind of as, as we're coming through that, that uh, God could have stopped the storm there and then. Yeah. If he had, no one would have known which God 
was the true God. And so God says, look, I want to demonstrate my glory. And sometimes the things we go through, the circumstances we go through, are there so that it might demonstrate God's glory. There was that guy, was there, in, in John chapter 9, uh, and uh, the older disciples say, well, someone must have sinned that he was born blind. And Jesus says, no, 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 this was done so that God's glory might be shown. And sometimes those circumstances we're in are about the demonstration of God's glory. If God had just stopped that storm, who would have known? Because all these sailors are praying to their gods. Uh, who would have known which God had done it? God waits until the very, very last minute um, before he brings about that miracle so that everyone might know without a doubt it is God. It is Jehovah who is the Lord who is in charge. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's amazing. I think um, one of you look at it and you see that Jonah is really caught in the messy middle. But in the messy middle, there's a moment. Yeah. And a moment then will change the trajectory of Jonah's course entirely. Yeah, right? yeah. And so from the storm will come a life that's transformed again yeah. and kind of a, a path towards obedience again. And so I just wonder if you want to open up, like in the messy, like, and it's messy. It's very, very messy for like the freaking out of sailors, for them to be freaking out, being like, come on, and like pleading with God yeah. whom they worship, pleading for this storm to be gone, like for experienced sailors to yeah. think, whoa, this could be it. Like this is a ferocious storm that they, I mean, I feel sorry for the sailors. They just happened to have let Jonah onto their boat. And it's, it's, all, happening. <laughs> it's all happening to them so that Jonah might be the one who's called to obedience. So just, just what happens in the messy middle and what does that moment look like, Pete? Yeah. I, I, I mean, you're exactly right. They picked up the wrong guy, which was which was a mess for them. Um, they tell him to call on his God. They have no idea who his God is. They don't think his God could do something. That it, he's a maybe God. Maybe he will be able to do something. Um, they cast lots. I don't know how they did that. Did they throw dice? Did they have stones? I don't know what they did. Uh, I guess Jonah was thinking, God won't let me down in this. I'm sure he won't. You know, it won't happen. Then the realisation dawns, ah. And he begins to see then that he's the one who's made a mess. And now he begins, in the middle of that mess, he begins to come back to God. Mm. Uh, and as he comes through, they say, tell us who you are, where you're from. Obviously, he hadn't checked his passport before he got on the boat. And And... And they say to him, um, what's your country, what people? And then he says it. And to me, this is, the, this is the core message of chapter one, really. This is the prophet doing what he's prophesied to others to do. He's returning to the Lord. And his prophecy, narrative prophecy, is a major message to the people of Israel. Return to the Lord. And he says, I'm a Hebrew, verse nine. I worship the Lord. Didn't look like he did, did it? <laughs> the God of heaven ha, who made the sea, chapter two, and the land, mm. chapter three. I, I worship him. That's the God I really worship. He is the only true God. He's the God of heaven. So Daniel word that actually. He's a God of heaven, the God of the heavens. It distinguishes him from all other gods. He's a Hebrew and he's the God of heaven who he worships. Yeah. Of course, Jonah, Jonah sent to preach, wasn't he? Jonah was sent to preach into, into Nineveh. Um, and uh, of course, he tries hard not to preach. Yeah. And then he gets no choice. 
he's in front yeah. of his haters. He has to preach. It's like with the irony of it is enormous. It's just he's thrown into a situation where he has no choice but to evangelize. And, and I, it says uh, in the New Testament about the fact that we will be his witnesses. You'll be my witnesses, says Jesus. Will be. Yeah. And there's no choice about it. And we kind of find ourselves in that yeah. place. I don't know. Sometimes you think, um, oh, I don't want to say much about being a Christian because it's a bit uncomfortable in this situation, maybe amongst my friends or amongst my colleagues, etc. But But Jesus says, you don't have a choice. You will be my witnesses one way or another. And you can either choose to be blessed through that or to go through hardship in that. One way or another, you will be my witnesses. And it's a bit of an encouragement to me to say, okay, then God, I want to take that on board and I want to be your witness for you in the way you want me to be, because that way I will get your blessing as well as doing your will. Mm. Yeah. 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 I find that so, I don't know, just interesting, isn't it? Like it's the process of, from their perspective, the sailor's perspective, like, oh my days, are you serious? Like, what do you mean? You've only just told us this now. Like, Wait, why why wouldn't you say that at the start and you think about how big that message is like literally having no idea who he is and then he's like oh yeah by the way this is who i am this is the name of the god that i carry on my life like this is the message i'm called to do by the way i jumped on his boat because i'm running away like oh like you'd be freaking out i think the only thing i can liken it to is like royalty running away getting in the back of your taxi and being like drive 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 and then suddenly like the FBI are all like coming after you in their cars. And you're like, oh my days, are you serious? You've dragged me into this. And so like, then then she's like, or say, it's, say it's like a princess or something in the back of the car. And she's like, oh my days, oh my days, this is bad. This is bad. This is what you got to do, right? This is how we're going to both get out of this. Um, and then the, the moment of this is what you've got to do is what we're about to see. And so what does that look like in this moment? Yeah, I mean, it must have been really hard for these guys. There is a realisation, as you say, dawning upon them gradually, bit by bit, deliberate from God. I'm a Hebrew. He's my God. Actually, I'm running away from him. You mean to say that, that your God is powerful enough to mess your life up and to interrupt your life with, 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 with guys like us who don't even believe in him? You mean to say he's willing to use us as his messengers to get you somehow or other where, where you need to be. Yes, says Jonah, that's exactly it. And the only thing you can do is to pick me up and throw me overboard. Mm. And they say, can't do that. There's, there's no way we can possibly do that. Well, if you don't, it won't get calmer. In fact, the sea, as the story goes on, gets worse and worse. The sea doesn't calm down. It gets rougher and wilder. I love that word. That, that happens and the storm is still there and comes upon us. So the men try their very best to get out of it. Mm. I, I, don't we all? Mm. We're in a mess. There's one, only one answer to return to the Lord. What do we do? We pick up the oars. We say, let's row a bit more. Mm. Let's row a bit more. It can't be me. But eventually the man comes to the, recognize that, the, the, the recognition that it is him. So they pick him up and get ready to throw him in. Mm. What about those words, Steve, that they say as they throw him in? Whoa. Don't hold it against us. <laughs> it's, it's extraordinary, isn't it? Don't hold it against us. I love the morality of the sailors, actually. They're saying, please, we don't want to do this. And Jonah says, there's no other way. I, I think there's, there's a little overtone of sacrifice as well, though, isn't there? Jonah realising that, that God is a God 
who um, desires our sacrifice, who desires us to give everything of ourselves. And in this way, Jonah can kind of see that there's a sacrifice thing going on. And, and I always wonder whether um, Jonah knew that God was going to do something miraculous or whether he simply knew that, you know what, if I place myself in the hands of God, that's the very best thing I can do under these circumstances. It's that, it's that sort of coming to himself, isn't it? That repentance moment. It's, it's, it's really quite something. But yeah, as you say, Lord, don't, don't hold it against us. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, we're innocent in all of this. And amazing that, that pagan sailors come to know the true and living God yeah. in this most extraordinary of circumstances. I find that incredible. It is, isn't it? Yeah, I I think like this echoes of, and I was I was fine this I guess with looking at kind of uh, the the prophets, um, and then into the New Testament as well. But then for our lives, is that maybe like there's a call to be involved in things that have never before been done, or never before seen things. So say for like Daniel with the lion's den, with being thrown into the furnace. Like he's never potentially seen God or like heard of God saving people from a furnace of fire, like being thrown in by a king. Never before seen God save people that way. But like his trust is in the Lord. And obviously there's that moment with uh, Daniel in the furnace where he's like, even if he doesn't like save me, like there's an even if he doesn't moment that God is still worthy of my worship. Yeah. Um, and so like the moment for this, like obviously carry this message to this city. Like what? Yeah. How do I even do that? Like, it's a Gentile city. Like, how, like, the prophets before me so far, like, they've been called to carry their message to our people. Now you're asking me to carry it to a people I don't even like, to a people yeah. I don't want to go to, to a culture that I don't even know what it's like. Like, I'm meant to fit in and, like, give this message to a crazy people. And then this moment where it's like, how do you know? How do you know, like, that you're meant to jump into the sea? <laughs> like, you don't. Like, there's, there's not, like... I'm, it's not like a guide of like, okay, if you're running away from God, the best thing to do in a storm is jump into the sea. There's <laughs> not, but there's a trust process that like he's going on where it's like, okay, fine. Like God, God's got to do something. So throw me in. Um, and that, that process for them of what, what do you mean throw you in? Like, okay, you're a melt for getting on our boat. We really don't like you for getting on our boat, but we're not going to kill you. Are you crazy? And yeah. so, like, that rowing back is, like, a really human moment of, like, ah, oh, what's worse for us? Like, trying a little bit harder to row back or killing someone? Like, what's worse for us in that moment? And, man, when the tension comes to, okay, we're really about to die unless we throw this guy in, then literally, like, all human instinct is out the window and it's, like, we're going to do whatever we can to be saved right now, isn't it? And little yeah. do they know um other than when they call out but little do they know there's there's a greater purpose there's a greater saving that's, yeah. that, that's going to happen for them other than not being drowned there's a saving of their souls that's about to take place yeah 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 the only way the only way to come back to the lord is to throw yourself on him mm. yes the only way there is no other way mm. now I, I don't know whether the word of the lord came to jonah um, a, a, a one and a half times because it says second time in chapter three whether it came halfway in between those two that he said tell them to throw you in Jonah I, I don't know but I do know this that the only way to come back to the Lord is to throw yourself on him and frequently in my life over the years he's put me in a situation where I can do nothing else I there is nowhere else to go other than throw myself on the Lord 
And, and, and basically that's what he's doing here. He has just said he is the Lord of sea and land. Well, if he's the Lord of sea, Jonah, it doesn't matter where you get thrown, he will carry you where he is pleased to, to carry you. At least that's what the, um, that's what the old mariners said. Uh, don't throw it, oh Lord, you have done as you have pleased, verse 14. Yeah. That wasn't Jonah who says that, that's what the, the sailors said. So they picked that up. Mm-hmm. But I think you're right. Sometimes God takes us to a situation where there is nowhere to go. Mm-hmm. And the only real way to be that powerful, dynamic, massive force for God is to come back to him and throw ourselves on him. And his mercy still endures forever. I guess I just want to say kind of the last three verses and then um, just want to open up and this gives you a little bit of space to think about this, I guess. Um, Just the encouragements uh, from this first chapter uh, that can be implemented into our lives, that can change the way we kind of walk out our lives. Um, And yeah, just encouragements really from this first chapter that um, we can really like just mull over over the coming week. Um, So obviously uh, we've seen that Jonah... Well, in this in this bit, so verses 14 and onwards, John is about to be thrown overboard. And this is the call of the sailors. Therefore, they called out to the Lord. Oh, Lord, let us not perish for this man's life and lay not on us innocent blood for you. Oh, Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. I think the thing I pick out straight away, and it's something actually we've mentioned already, is that, man, even in his running away, it actually just becomes a detour for God to save and for God to display his compassion again and again and again for people beyond, uh, like for another subset of people as well. It's actually more like a detour. Whereas Jonah thought it was a running away, it's a detour. And he's like, there's people to be saved in this process. Um, but yeah, I just wonder if you've got any encouragements from this that you think is really the take home points for us from chapter one. I mean, to me, the, the, the great message of chapter one, we've, we've spoken about many times already. If you run away from God, you've got to come back to him. Admit where you are, come back to him. Throw yourself upon him and on his mercy, and just watch how God can then use you, even in that fallen situation, to bring others along with you. Mm-hmm. One of the hardest things for us sometimes, particularly as Christian preachers, prophets, call us what you like, one of the hardest things is to be vulnerable and to say, I've messed up over and over again. Mm-hmm. Jonah in his memoirs, I guess in a sense his prophecy is a bit like that, his journal, admits straight away, I messed up, I really, really messed up in this. But God's mercy and God's salvation is massive and huge. Mm. Yeah, that's so good. And I think, I guess, about this storm that comes up and the fact that we said earlier God sends storms into our lives sometimes and, and, and that's to build our character rather than to give us comfort, but it comes full circle at the end and God demonstrates that he is the God who is able to calm the storm, mm. who has all power to be able to still the storm, to be able to calm those waves, to be able to bring about peace. That's who he is. That's what he wants to do. 
Um, and that's what he wants to do for us as well. But he's going to do it through building our character and through bringing us into a closer and more wonderful, more amazing relationship with him. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you so much. So I guess let me just uh, highlight what we've seen and then uh, we'll wrap up there for another episode. Um, so we started with verse one where God speaks to Jonah. Man, let us never get tired of that. Let us never get tired of the fact that God speaks to his people. And he does that in verse one. So he calls him to go to a city. Jonah says no, thinks he's going the opposite way, thinks he's running away, thinks he's hiding, happens to get on a boat in which God then causes a crazy storm. Uh, and we see that God is sovereign over all things and God's purpose will come to fruition no matter how far you think you run away from him. His purpose is greater. And if you're called to bring a message, then be sure he's going to get you to that place, no matter if you think you're running away or not. Um, and we see that, obviously, then following on um, the way in which kind of redemption happens initially um, is he has to throw himself back into the arms of God. So he's thrown overboard, thrown into the arms of God, in which coincidentally, but obviously it's not coincidentally, it's a moment that God has ordained. These sailors are saved. And so this big disobedient moment for Jonah turns into a detour where people's lives are transformed uh, on the way to a city being transformed. Um, and where we leave it for this episode is obviously uh, there is a fish slash whale that we'll be discussing at a later date uh, that Jonah um, is swallowed up in. <laughs> Mental statement. Absolutely crazy statement. Can't get my head around it. I think I would be terrified. Um, but yeah, so we see, we finish with the Lord appoints a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And he was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. And that's an exciting place to leave. Uh, so we look forward to you joining us uh, next week for the next installment. Thank you very much.